Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. All right, let's go. This has started. The train has left the station. Let's get to it. I can't wait to introduce my guest today. We chatted a, a wee bit ago, and I remember it's sometimes you're like, oh, what guest is that? No, 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 no. I know exactly who I was talking to today. I was excited this morning, and man, let me tell you about him. He is a serial entrepreneur. He can't help but create businesses like Johnny Appleseed, just dropping businesses all over the place, all over America. He is a growth leader and thought leader. What is that? He's weaving marketing, sales, weaving them together and making this amazing blanket of revenue, right? Like he just, he's growing things left and right. Old school, you've got the background in SEO, AdWords, biz dev, nonprofits. Guys even adopted a highway. Without further ado, Chief Growth Officer, Managing Partner at Revenue Zen, Ken Magma Marshall. Welcome, sir. Casey, thank you so much. That was uh, my, my adrenaline is pumping already this morning. Yes. Uh, and a few... <laughs> There's a lot of caveats there to all of that, but I'm going to say that might be the best intro I've ever heard. So, well, thank you. Well, thank you. But you earned it. You did it. And so, without further ado, I got to pass you this thing. It's heavy, but clearly you work out more than I do. Okay. You got it? Take Thor's hammer. Okay. Double handed. Nice. It. Nice grab. We like to, uh, you know, give point scores on grabbing Thor's hammer. Take Thor's hammer. Smash for me some kind of myth bogus strategy, misconception, set the record straight once and for all. Yeah. I mean, I've been preaching this from the rooftops for years now. It's on our website and my marketing thesis. It's on LinkedIn. Um, and it's even, you know, it's old, right? It's nothing new, but it's still pervasive. And that is this, um, you know, you've heard of, if you build it, they will come as a strategy, which isn't a strategy. I hear the same thing in our space for if you blog it or, you know, if you implement some kind of tactic that all of a sudden that'll equate to customers and revenue. And uh, it's silly and a waste of time and money. Like if That's you do where it, I they stand. Will come, right? My like worthy hammer. <laughs> yeah, you smash that thing. So, so we're just going to build stuff and then magically it'll just work. Is that where all this sort of mind warp? Yeah, yeah. No, you don't need to understand your customers. You don't need a product market fit. You don't need a strategy. You just need to create some blog posts, right? And that's all people need to give you money. Yeah. Or, or now you can skip a step. You can have Chat GPT create your blog post, and then you can go on vacation <laughs> right. and let AI just attract your customers for yeah. anything. <laughs> That would take a whole podcast for me to explain like prompt engineering and the QA process for chat GPT, but we could dive into that too. <laughs> well, we'll just clear our calendars, man. But but talk to me about this. Where does this myth come from? Why are we so in this loop of if you do something, if you're busy, don't worry, trust the results will come. Yeah, I mean, I will be more, we're being cheeky, but I'll be a little bit more generous and say, I think that for the majority of people who aren't like hucksters and intentionally being, you know, dumb or scammy, um, I think the majority of like marketing professionals or maybe even if you're an early stage founder, you, you just, your resources are spread thin, your time is spread thin and you, it's, you don't know what you don't know. So you hear that there's this channel called search and you can, and big companies have taken advantage. Monday.com just went public with it. And you're like, oh, great. They have some content. I see some blog posts. 
if I can do that and go raise my series A, then great. So I think it's more of just like a bit of um, ignorance in the, you know, the truest sense of the word and just not having context. So I think they're like, this is cheap. I can write some blog posts perhaps instead of spending all this money on ads or outsource SDRs. Let me just start there and lack of education. So I'm going to, I'm going to say that's why I think that it happens more often than not. (laughs) So we didn't know better. We didn't hear the podcast, but now that we've heard the podcast, now that we're here, how do we turn around? And you kind of alluded to this too. Like, Oh, you didn't do this. You didn't do this. What if, if, it's not it's not good enough just to say, just to do, just to wing it or have AI try to do it for you. What is your recipe, your growth recipe? Okay. So I'll start off looking to the camera, the directly talking to you, each and every person in uh, the audience. Scary. Um, <laughs> this is what we, we, we our, our North Star, so to speak, as a business. Yours might, you might have different goals of user acquisition, uh, but for most of our clients that are B2B, right, it's customers and revenue and maybe things like, you know, net, <laughs> net profit. But in the beginning, it's customers and revenue. And so what I would say to you is, why would you focus on, you know, production or keywords or clicks or impressions on Facebook or MySpace, you know, back in the day, I heard that a lot. Instead, wouldn't you align your marketing efforts to revenue and sales and customers? So that's thing number one. That's the overarching theme is like everything that you should do should be geared and mapped towards that. But as far as like the basic principles, I think it's it's fairly simple. The tactics are going to be different, but here's the outline. Number one, analytics and attribution. There are some free tools. There are some paid ones. That's out of scope of this conversation. But depending on your situation, go install some basic ones. You know, Google Analytics, uh, Google Search Console. It tells you keyword volume and traffic data. You know, get some conversions. Maybe HubSpot, their free plan. (laughs) So you can see when somebody submits a form. Know who's using your site, how and when they convert. That's thing number one. That's the most important step, actually, because... You can have a winning campaign, but if you don't know what you're doing or how you're spending your money, um, you're likely to make the wrong decisions. Thing number two, I would say is understand your audience's jobs to be done versus demographics like their height and whether or not they like Pepsi or Coke. I I think personas have gotten, they're cool and interesting and I guess useful for certain people like a UX designer, but more than anything, does the VP of marketing, is their job to be done to get rid of this function on their plate and sleep better at night? Is it to show their executives an ROI? That's what you're solving for. So understand that jobs to be done of your target ICP and your audience. Um, The third thing is researching relevant metrics. Guesses don't work unless you're like me and you've been doing something for eight, 10 years and you have some intuition. I still don't guess. So (laughs) neither should most people. So when I say relevant metrics, if you're doing an SEO campaign, know what the search volume is for your most lucrative keywords. Don't just start writing, right? Second to last, understand what a buyer's journey actually is. So awareness, comparison, decision, right? Loyalty, that's the basic. There's other ways, but that's the basic. And then think about what kind of content you need to give that person to move them through that buying process at each one of those stages. Um, and then lastly is just- Sorry, real quick on that. You can, you, can you go back through your stages oh, yeah, again? So see if we're on the same page with the stages. Or the journey. Totally. Just the, the most simple one that I've heard that most people understand is like awareness. Somebody needs to learn about what the problem even is. They don't even know if they understand the problem. So that's why we have like a, a B2B SEO guide, right? It's basic yeah. for me, but some people don't even know what it is, how let alone buy it. Then it's uh, comparison, right? 
do I need this solution? So I do need a consultant or an agency or a tool, maybe a platform can help me with SEO. And then it's decision. Okay, I know that I want a vendor, but which vendor and which solution do they offer that I can afford or have the resources for? And then keep them coming back. So maybe email marketing that you update them on industry trends. That's loyalty for a product company. Um, they have support sections, so that kind of stuff. Okay, nice. So you got to understand and the, the only other thing. Yeah, yeah. So the only other thing I would say is just topical authority and overall, like, you know, relevance of the company. And all that means is like, is your business seen as being trustworthy by search engines and your users? Just like you would offline. People have billboards. They have a storefront that looks professional. Um, you know, their employees wear certain things. When you walk in, they make you feel good. You need to present that similar um, front online. So a lot of words, a lot of overarching themes, but, uh, you know, that's the overall strategy. The tactics are what I think we can dive into. Oh, hell yeah. And just to make sure I, I got this list, because I love this is like golden list right here. Uh, four was understand the journey. Is five the topical authority or was that was there some, something else after the journey? Yep. So audience, jobs to be done, um, researching the right metrics to get yep. to gather intelligence, um, understand the, I guess, the the content to help the journey, you know, the the buyer through their journey. Okay. Uh, building that topical relevance and authority, and then the right tactics is what I would say. Okay, gotcha. So so understanding the journey is also in the, in the context of the content that you're going to supply along that journey. Exactly. And then number six. Now we're actually doing we're like doing tactics, right? That that which is everyone's favorite place to start. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Tell me about like people. We we just start there, and then we try to work our way back into all these other things. And I don't know, ever doing analytics backwards is next to impossible. You can't track, if you didn't track and set it up to track the beginning, you know, you're, you're up, up a river kind of thing, man. Totally. Where do you see the most mistakes happening? Oh, that's a, that's a really good question. And I think we already touched on them, but just to make it like super clear and concise, starting off out the gate with tactics without any intelligence. So true, true. you could get lucky with some channels. I think that you can really, you know, you can get lucky with a viral moment on TikTok. Their algorithm promotes new people right. intentionally to get, to make it sticky, right? So that's, you could just do whatever you want, no strategy and potentially succeed in a big way. Right. I think search has one of the biggest lifts in the beginning as far as knowledge gap and um, needing a pretty consistent strategy over time to work for most companies, particularly if they're starting out. So that's why for different channels, I'm not saying this is for everybody. It's just if you want to do search well and inbound well, starting off with a tactic is usually going to be a poor ROI of your time and money. Um, The second thing I would say is not treating um, SEO or content as a channel. So I've seen this, like we, we hired some person on Fiverr to do our inbound for us. That is an impossible job for a human to do. Literally nobody, not myself, you couldn't even clone three Kens and have them do your entire inbound marketing function. So that person is just, you know, (laughs) there's a misalignment there that it's a channel. Each one of those is its own channel, just like you would do paid or social. So that's thing number two. Um, thing number three is misalignment from leadership on what it is. So what it is, um, in terms of like why we're doing search, how it's going to impact the bottom line, um, and how long it's going to take. I see that all the time. Like our board's looking for some, 
some metrics for the second quarter. They started three months ago. They've never done it before. Uh, what's our revenue look like now? Our revenue in source from organic? I'm like, that's not what we talked about with the VP of marketing, but the VP of marketing, they're breathing down <laughs> their neck. So right. misalignment. And then I would also say the um, there's a mismatch of people in certain industries that are more competitive against maybe bigger or better competitors or more um, specific areas that they misunderstand the budget allocation um, it's going to take for them to succeed. Not everybody. There's obviously quick wins, um, especially you know for bigger companies that are more established. But I, I see a lot of misallocating a budget. And some people I would advise they should have never even spent money on the channel in the first place. <laughs> right. Those are the big ones. The, I, I haven't had a more clear presentation of like, this is what you need to do. And it, it's not, it's not saying it's easy, right? There's still no, five major hard. categories before you even get started. And there's a lot of ways it can go wrong. But what's great about it is at least it's there in front of you and you can work the, work the steps. Do you often encounter people that are at different stages along that past summer still wrestling with number one? They're still trying to get those analytics fixed and other ones have that fixed, but they, they haven't done the research. Yeah, well, let's give people maybe some hope real quick. <laughs> and right, that right. if you look at the ROI over time of different marketing channels, I think email was still first, referral, you know, word of mouth. Um, and then I think it was between social and organic. But the point is that if you look at like over time, you know, paid or outsourced SDRs, maybe like you're going to have this great like lead increase, but then the cost per acquisition is going to maybe get stagnant, more expensive, or even decline. Whereas organic tends to build upon itself and even, you know, exponentially increase over time. And so that's why as a long-term investment, it's a good channel to add to your stack. So people out there, it is difficult, but if you want to go on the journey long-term, <laughs> it tends to be worth it. So I'll start there. But in terms of analytics, what we find is that folks have had some kind of setup. So maybe they have a Google Analytics or a mixed panel or whatever, but they don't use it because it's unclear and there's no insights coming from it. It's just they have a bunch of data and they aren't data scientists. They aren't analytics specialists. So their brains are just scrambled. They have no dashboard. Gotcha. So there's those folks who are, that's good. We can take that historical data. Like you said, you can't invent historical data <laughs> and then make sense of it to make good decisions. And then there's people in the camp who are just flying blind. Again, they're creating content because somebody told them to, or there's an initiative from above, or it's the cool, trendy thing. And we have to start from scratch and just take it apart and say, um, why did you even start making this stuff? We might have to delete some of this stuff. It's really tough. We have to look at you know, implementing the right solution for you, get a CRM in place. So some people don't even know <laughs> where their customers came from or how long it took to become a customer. So we start from scratch. It, it makes a ton of sense. And and we touched a little bit on this earlier, not to open Pandora's box, but it's already open. The idea of the chat GPT, you know, like yeah. a, a lot of people hyping it up. And, you know, uh, there, there was this band called New Kids on the Block decades ago oh, yeah. and everyone liked yeah. them. So I decided I wasn't going to like them because everyone else liked them, you know, <laughs> and and I can't quite figure out. I mean, I have asked a few questions of, and it's not even a great name either, Chad GB. I mean, come on. But what's your take on it? How how does this affect marketing? Um, I'll say maybe a few big things that I believe, and then you can you can lead me uh, to the promised land about where which thread we pull on. But a few sure. things. One, Chat GPT in the context of innovation, if you study history, is nothing new. Uh, books. 
People thought they were going to erode attention span and intelligence. They did, I guess, a little bit. Intention span is not as concrete, but that's because right. I don't need to. And I don't want to have to memorize 100 books because now I can you know, have access to millions. <laughs> right. And intelligence, that's not been proven at all. So I think this is not a, an, a new thing. I'll put it that way. Thing number two is I think people should embrace chat GPT for what it's intended for, which I'll get to in a second, but they shouldn't um, be fearful of it. I think the two biggest reasons I've heard for why people don't use chat GPT are either like a straw man argument. They'll say, well, this content isn't the same as a, a subject matter expert. So therefore I shouldn't use it. That is a black and white fallacy mixed with a straw man. argument, <laughs> right? right? It's like a double fallacy. The point is not to be the solution. It's to augment human intelligence and get rid of menial tasks. That's the point of artificial intelligence, machine learning, and, you know, big data. Anyway, the second thing is that people are afraid that it will replace them. And again, some of them are right. They have the right to be afraid, but the answer is not to not lean in. It's to become the prompt engineer, <laughs> so to speak. If you're a writer, it's to become a prompt engineer and writing content director versus somebody who just produces words for a fee. And that's a scary thought. I even had a scary thought about shutting down my SEO agency, the one prior, um, when certain tools came out from technical SEO, that used to be our bread and butter. You could charge five grand for a tech audit. Now it's zero for a tech audit. Tools do that for free and they tell wow. you the fixes. So Jeez. I think people should lean in. They should evaluate their own fears and apprehensions to make sure that they're valid. And they should play around with it to test how it can augment themselves, earn more money or be more efficient or effective. Uh, so that's how I feel about it. I've used it since it started, I've used AI tools for two years now to write content um, and everything in between. And there's a middle ground between human and them and winning. So, and you've used it then to to augment? So it gave you a nice solid base of a bunch of paragraphs and then you're tweaking them to make them on, on brand or how have how sure. you used uh, so it you successfully? Yeah, some digital marketing use cases that people will find fascinating. Um, so obviously, I've written full articles, like up to, I think, you know, 6,000 words for one of my personal sites, but many, 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 many articles I've, I've, I've published with ChatGPT and other AI tools. It's, it's the best at understanding context. Um, the second thing that's more interesting, I did a, me and my wife are going to buy a house soon. I asked it to help write me a formula to build a mortgage forecasting calculator with, I think, 12 or between 12 and 15 different variables, and then write that formula for me. Um, so that's the thing. You can build tools with it. It can write code. I asked it to, um, I wanted a PHP template for an author, a better author template in WordPress. And I described the information I wanted on the page. It wrote the HTML, it wrote the PHP, wrote the CSS. I just gave it three prompts. So this is all in three prompts or less, by the way. Wow. Um, it built me a content strategy for a FinTech company, including distribution channels, <laughs> how to calculate CAC payback period, um, how the CEO should talk on LinkedIn, what top 20 topic ideas for me in every stage of the buyer's journey. Um, and then lastly, I would just say to I ideate, I guess would be to create topics. So I gave it a URL and said, based on this URL, um, you know, what would be some good topics for this person or this website? And it had a list and I was like, okay, great. Now um, make it wittier. And so I don't even have to go look at the website. It can sort of be my research assistant. Those are a few use cases um, that come to mind for, for folks like us. Wow. It gave you a whole content strategy? 
Yeah, in three prompts. And I mean when when I don't I don't mean like a few paragraphs. I'm talking um everything <laughs> from how to build an audience persona, because I, I was very specific in my questions to it. It gave me a potential persona for the fintech company. Um it gave me topics. Uh, it gave me keyword targets. It could group the, you know what I mean? Like distribution channel, which analytics tools to use. It's fascinating if you understand, again, good prompt engineering. You can do a lot of cool things. Wow. Prompt engineering becomes the And I'm thing. overusing that term. It's a technical term. I just, I think that's what we're talking about at the end of the day is training so, yeah. the data within the tool. Yeah. So you designed the prompt. How, talk to me. What kind of finesse did you do? Did you do afterward? You, you had the output. Were there some things that you needed in, from your own experience to, to tweak and change? And generally speaking, what kind of things were there that you knew that, like you just knew from experience, that maybe wasn't displayed there? Yeah. So the first is intelligence in intelligence out stupid in, stupid out that's the yeah. first principle of chat gpt you can't say write me a blog post about seo <laughs> and expect it to be good so i'll start there with the inputs you have to have context to even know how to prompt it for it to be good in my in my experience the times where i've been lazy in my prompts it's got i've gotten the worst results so that's thing number one well, okay so, so on that on that yeah. so just straight out asking okay just write me this topic and it's going to give you this like kind of like hogwash answer. It'll be all right. It may even be decently factual, but I can almost guarantee that it's going to be somewhat plagiarized because the, the point is not to be a, it's not a tool that was meant for all these things. It just understands a lot and can help you. And so people think that that's this amazing, beautiful final project, at least that I've talked to, and it's not. So what, right. instead of saying, um, write me a blog post on SEO, I'm like, uh, I'll obviously I'll say a lot of verbs. So I'll be like, act like you're a you know New York Times writer for the digital marketing column. And what I want is a um, informational but witty, uh, you know, one thousand word piece on these five topics with an intro and a conclusion. And what I want you to do is after you're done, make sure uh, to cite the sources if you grabbed any factual information. Right. So that's a basic prompt that I would give it to get the first draft of the process. So that, does that make sense for the input totally. stage? Yeah. Okay. Next is like what I consider the refinement, which is assume that that's going to be 40 to 70% your, of your end result. Hmm. Never 80 or above. 40? For most people. 40 I'm 40. still getting used to it myself, but most people aren't even, <laughs> they're not going to touch a prompt like that when they're first using it. And so... What I would say then is start to, to analyze like, okay, do, is there something that maybe I need to redo that first prompt? Uh, maybe I asked it to do witty and it thought that I meant funny. So I actually need to say, be cheeky or sarcastic. Those words have different. Maybe I need to present an example. So like take a website, a piece of content and say, mimic this that I like. And it can, it can remember. Okay. So you're refining now and maybe say, take that third bullet, that third section that you did and now rewrite that with more facts and information. Hmm. So you have to refine a little bit. And you you can get as specific and ridiculous as you possibly can. And there's a limit of what I think it can understand. But the limit is usually not what I assumed at first. It's usually, it can go much deeper. So I'll stop there. That's like refinement. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense, man. Ah, oh, that's, that's great. You know, I, I appreciate that because it really helps me sort through a lot of the hype. Uh, yeah. And it's not magic you that's a very very clever 
and I, I mean, I can see your technical background. I can see, I can see those things going into that prompt to be able to elicit a, a much better response than just, Hey man, what's up? You know, you, you like literally have to, to coach it. Uh, and it makes sense. Coaching it. It, it, think of it, it'd be like a, a really good executive assistant or a growth marketing coordinator. Yeah. You don't expect them to build the strategy or understand the company's, you know, business model forecast, but right. they can get you some documents. They can help get ideas. They're smart. They're willing to help. That's at least at this stage and in it's in its infancy, what I think chat GBT is. And then, to that point, as a segue, like the last step is QA, quality assurance, which again, I, I see a lot of skipping steps. Like we have, so there's these tools are available, but, um, you know, checking to see like how human the, the output is. And the point is not to game the system. Again, it's to please people and solve jobs to be done. So you want to see how human it is so that humans can read it, not to game the system. It'll help your SEO performance, but the point is to solve for the humans to check it through a plagiarism tool like Grammarly, um, maybe, you know, the, the syntax or the, how it sounds in Hemingway for free. Uh, look, having a subject matter, review it for factual accuracy. Those are the ways that you can ensure at the, as the last step to make sure that the content is not only going to perform well in search, which is a bonus, that real humans um, can consume it, be delighted by it, and help solve their jobs to be done and move them through that journey. Uh, that's how I think about ChatGPT, and I, I think it's. I think it'll really change. Um, I think this is the inflection point. I think there'll be different tools. Google's going to come out with uh, Sparrow pretty soon for the the public. Um, but I think this is another flexion point in our history of like digital marketing. I really do. Yeah, really, it really starts to seem like that, and I, I could I start seeing you know, courses being taught in schools to understand even those three steps you've outlined, but then, and, you know, get practical and get people practicing it and, and working it and workshopping it in, in school, ideally, or, you know, what'll happen is 10 years from now, schools will catch up and they'll start teaching it. Right. <laughs> we'll, we'll be on to something else. <laughs> totally. There's a couple of, yeah, I saw a couple of like tools for teachers to help like catch plagiarism. I'm like, I think again, we're fundamentally misunderstanding. Like this isn't going away. So how can we help teach students in the context of these tools to test their own performance versus try to block and tackle right. <laughs> intel like artificial intelligence? Yeah, good luck. <laughs> and I just envisioned the, the prompt then becoming, uh, you know, write this paper for me in in a style based on my previous paper and uh, make sure that Grammarly doesn't have any issues. Make sure no, uh, <laughs> no sites will be able totally. to flag this for, uh, for plagiarism. You know, just or like write it in a, write it in a way that I'll get a B minus. So my teacher doesn't <laughs> figure it. <laughs> right. Don't write an A, write me a B minus, you know, include an occasional uh, spelling error and grammar mistake. <laughs> Bro, I'm, I am telling you, that's a thing. That's, that's an exact, like, not that you'd want to do that, but it's funny. Like when I'm just joking around, I'll like, I'll like be angry with it versus polite and just sort of see if there's like a difference in output, but saying, you know, make a few mistakes, like give me four, 4% mistakes grammatically on purpose. It's grammar is usually part, like pretty good. So yeah. it can do that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of the old SEO game, right? Well, old, but still new, you know, make a change. Google makes a change. SEO, SEOers make, you know, figure out a hack. Google updates it, figure out another hack. Yep. Google updates it. Uh, so it'll be a bit of a cat and mouse game with, with teachers and papers, but I hear you on the inflection point for sure. 
So yeah, uh, it's, but I think it's good stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm coming around to it. I'm coming around to it. It sounds. It's well, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I'm interested in that now. I know this is uh, I'm the guest, but how did you feel, or how do you feel about it? It was fun, you know. I, I maybe uh, I maybe ch- it was fun, right? So that immediately makes me wonder if it's sus, as my son might say. Uh, but it, you know, it's like, it, is it more than fun? Is is there some practical? And then if the if the output isn't isn't really there, I think. I mean, I've heard this other places too, where people just assume the out the the output, the authenticity. They assume the accuracy is there, you know, when it, yep. it's really not. But understanding it's not, and to your point, you know, someone new at the company, and you're just coaching them through writing. It'd be the same process, uh, but at least you have something written. And sometimes just getting that first forty to sixty percent there, totally, it's half the battle. Just helping you start. <laughs> yeah, helping you get started, and then and then go knock yourself out, and do a bunch of editing. Um, I just remember when I wrote my book, it was I was able to talk it out, but then I had to go back through and look through all that stuff, and then refine, 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 and and I found out actually that I had ten thousand words too many <laughs> to like. You're contracted for thirty five thousand. You have forty five, so you could pay us a, a twenty five cents a word, or you could reduce the size. And I did the quick math and I was like, I think I'll, I'll reduce the size. And, and so, but that was a, a good process. Actually, it was refining was a good process. It, it made me have to bring things into a clearer scope. So there might be something there where we get a, a big download from an app like this. And then our refinement is the value. I think that's exactly right. Like directing and refining and making sure that the quality assurance is there. And which is interesting because I don't know, I feel much better when I'm having fun and getting to be creative. And I don't know about you, but maybe I'll get your thoughts of like using my brain and thinking of a strategy and interacting with other people and being creative versus sitting and you know, clicking on stuff and moving code around. I used to have to, you know, you know, you know, you used to have to pull up a blank document and type in like the HTML stack, the head, the body, type it in. HTML open, yeah. Head title. And I'm like, we want to, we could drag and drop stuff in an editor. And every developer was like, this is dumb. You know, WordPress and Webflow are stupid. And it's like, bro, now you can be the director of a user experience for like, and if you're good, the same amount of money instead of having to to pull up documents and type out. Like, I just don't even see that as being fun. And even the old money that I may have lost from like a tech audit, I hated doing those things. (laughs) Right. Forced me to think in a different way and consult and advise in a different way. So I don't know. Have you felt that with like technology more of like, do you have more, you know, animosity towards it? Or do you think like, like I do that it sort of freed my perspective in a way and forced me to use my brain more <laughs> instead of just my hands to make money. Yeah, that's uh, for sure. Right. And I, you hear the things that you know, people used to complain that they let cars on the road and they would scare the horses, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. and now it's like, do we allow horses on there or not? They'll scare the cars. <laughs> right. So full circle. <laughs> yeah. Full circle. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I hear, I hear you though. It's good to, I'm kind of a late adopter though. I think it's Apple's fault. I'm just going to blame it on Apple because you know, you get that update on your phone and then nothing works and, and, and they, they ruined your favorite app and, and, and then suddenly 
suddenly your browser, the the browser URL bar is on the bottom. And it's like, I didn't ask Ridiculous. for that. How do I get rid of it? Everyone's Googling how, or now chat, G, chat, GPT. How do I get rid of the browser off the bottom of my screen? Please, for love of God. So sometimes I'm a bit of a laggard with tech, you know, where I'm like, I'll, I'll yeah. let somebody else beta test the iPhone 13,000. Uh, but then I'll kind of sneak in there after, after a little bit, you know, after the bugs are gone. Yeah. Yeah. After the, the semicolons that people forgot are now put back in. And then everything just compiles beautifully. But I don't know. I don't. It it is it is fun though being on the on the front of things. You know, podcasting is is that. ChatGPT is sure. that. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I wanted to shift a little bit though, man. Yeah. You know so much, and you've you've done so much, and you're just you have such a clarity, and you're able to communicate with that clarity. Really, who are you? Who are you? Right, like. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this guy that I'm talking to that that knows it? Are you ChatGPT? Are you like a skin? Are you like a, a ChatGPT skin? Am I talking to like a? They're a, on to us. They're on to us. <laughs> no, my computer starts powering no, down. A, oh, <laughs> that's an interesting question, right? Because I, I mean, yeah, let's sort of like take a, a couple of big steps back. I've always, yeah. I've always been really interested in like exploring the like upper limits of my potential and the world around me and people around me, um, which is very overly philosophic. And I apologize, but it is true. Like I just, I have an endless desire to seek out like new things, like even reckless, like with reckless abandon almost. <clears throat> it, they're not always beneficial. That's, so when I say serial entrepreneur, we mean like a few businesses that have made like a few hundred dollars, a few that have made a few thousand, a couple that have made like six, seven figures, but like I'm not some millionaire. I just... I need to go start a drop shipping business because I heard about it. I need to go, um, you know, consult or I need to go walk dogs on the weekends just because it's another way to make a dollar. Uber, Lyft, I did them when they all first came out, Instacart. Um, and even though I didn't necessarily even need the money or had the time. And so I think that's the most, that's the thing that I like doing the most. And it's why Chief Growth Officer is my title. Yeah. Um, I've always wanted to just explore, explore, explore. And, uh, yeah, there's many more. Like, I think even talking about digital marketing is a privilege because when I went to college, I was going for sales and business development. Wow. But um, I ended up like winning this sales competition and I was talking to Herman Miller, the people that make those like big executive chairs. The chairs. Um, they, the, the, <laughs> what you won was one of the big, you know, uh, executive chairs. And so I went to go talk to the guy. And he's like, yeah, so this is our starting salary for the, the, v, the reps, the sales reps. And I just realized remembering like that seems soulless and I felt very trapped. So I switched my major to this new program that nobody had ever heard of called digital technology and communications, which to this day, our, um, our professor still tours around the country teaching other universities how to start similar digital marketing programs. And so, wow. so a lot of luck uh, mixed in there, but um, yeah, I'm just a, a guy that likes to explore things, I guess. Did, talk to me about like little Ken, did you know that you're going to, did you ever have a sense that like oh, computers and marketing and people, all these things were going to be, I mean, what, what did you want to be when you were like a tiny guy? So not at all. Like I didn't know. So marketing, you know, I, I will say this. I've always had a job and I've always had small businesses. So lawnmower, uh, uh, helping out with paper route, um, digging, you know, you know, bailing hay and, you know, doing landscaping and excavation. Uh, at one point, you know, I 
took some trash from my neighbors, <laughs> put it on my parents' lawn, not literal trash, but like their little knickknacks. And we used to have these little yard sales, which did not made a few bucks, right? We could go to the store and buy candy after oh, we cool. were done. And so I have known that my dad taught me this. I, I would ask for things and the normal stuff he would say, sure, Ken, we'll go to the store, get you some, you know, some food or whatever. But if we wanted something, we would have to, to work for it. And so I learned very early on that money is exciting and money gives me my most important value, which is autonomy over my time and what I want to decide to do and, and have. And so little Ken was interested in having the things and experiences he wanted to have and not, not minding working really hard towards them. So again, a lot of luck and privilege mixed in there, but yeah. uh, I didn't know anything about sales or marketing. I just, and instead, you know, I just... I, I jumped into it the same way I do everything else. I was like, this seems like an opportunity. Uh, I'm going to do it uh, without knowing much about it. <laughs> and SEO specifically is funny because uh, I didn't have any idea what it was. I just, I took an information architecture class, which is basically what search engines are. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I thought there was like magic fairy dust and, you know, Tinkerbell behind it, making everything happen. And as soon as I realized you can manipulate that, I talked to a few people and like adults, business owners, nobody knew what it was. So I'm like, that's the business I'm going to do because nobody knows what, and I'm a pretty good learner. I love that you talked about how money was exciting because it is, but also understanding that philosophical foundation of that. It, it gave you the autonomy, gave you the freedom, decide what you wanted to do with your time, which I think is, I mean, that's such a elevated concept that, that I like to think about too. But I think not yeah. all of us, think about that, right? They were just sort of like one dimensional oh, that money's cool. We can buy you know, lunch with it. Sweet. But really what it means <laughs> is you don't have to go, you know, like pick your lunch off a tree, right? You can like chase down a gazelle. <laughs> yeah. Chase that. Right. Yeah. You have to go shoot a moose or something to get it. You, you can save yourself the six hour trip and just get it right now. But then taking that step further, just, you know, you can, you can work for, $2 an hour or six. And then suddenly things feel up. So it just, it's really an interesting concept, you know? I do. And I mean, I didn't expect the conversation to go this way, but like fundamentally I, I could actually care less about money much to my wife's, you know, discontent <laughs> or else we'd make a lot more of it. I just, I've always been more interested in waking up and deciding what I want to do that day. And it's not that I can't work hard. Like I've you know, the agency took six years really to get into maturity, right? So it's not that you can't pursue things that aren't interesting or have hard days and power through it and be gritty. It's just that it doesn't seem like the point of being a human being to me. Yeah. So again, overly philosophical, but I just think if we really analyze it and for people that are maybe less privileged than me, I don't think that's a bad thing to chew on either. I just think they might have more steps to go because they weren't born in the same amount of, you know, um, like my parents were pretty well off, but I don't think it harms anybody to think regularly, why am I doing this? And what do I actually want to happen uh, in, you know, whatever time horizon? Yeah. Yeah. Cool stuff, man. Cool stuff. I got a bit of a hypothetical question for you. Let's do it. So I may or may not have a time machine in New Hampshire. <laughs> I can't confirm it, but it, there's a high probability it might it might exist and i can't yeah. tell you where i got it but i had this time machine so you come visit right we get some beer some lobster whatever have a good time we get to play around with the time machine and it's a particular kind of time machine because we can go back and visit you 
a couple days after mm. graduating with that digital marketing degree. And you can talk to okay. yourself, right? You can you get to meet yourself and hang out for a little bit. What would you say? What kind of things would you tell yourself? Oh, wow. I, the first thing that came to mind is something that I chew on all the time because uh, I think something's wrong with my amygdala, I believe it is. Like, I just don't perceive risk very well. I don't, I don't know if it's personality or, you know, brain or whatever. And so the one thing that I chew on most often is I, I could save myself a lot of headache if I even stopped for a second to consider most decisions before I make them. I just tend to run headfirst into things and I'm pretty resilient, I think, so I can figure it out as I go and, you know, make sense of it. But what I did when I graduated was like, I'm just going to go work at this agency and work really hard and do some side projects on the side. And um, that's going to be my path. And then I'll create this agency. What I think would be would have been useful was to maybe talk to some agency owners, talk to some people that developed products because I, I coded before that, too. Like I was I also didn't just do the marketing uh, track. I did the development track so I could build like small apps and things and websites and things like that. Right. And what if I asked myself, maybe who do I want to help and what kind of product can I build? What kind of service more broadly rather than I'm going to use this skill as a service and translate that into a an agency is basically providing, you know, services at scale. Um, I don't know what I, where I, where I would have ended up. I, I like my path, but I also think I need to take steps back sometimes. And I've become good at this because I have a wife who's wonderful, who says, did you think about this? And she makes me do that. Um, and so that's the first thing I would tell young Ken is like, consider, consider every path, just go grab a beer on the beach um, and consider every path. And second, maybe, um, is this the thing that you want to do? Or are you just excited that it's a new thing? Because I have, everybody has shiny object syndrome to some extent, but for me, that's at the core of who I am. I'm almost proud that I, you know, have started and failed nine different <laughs> little micro company, right? But so I would also say, um, you know, just, just take a step back and um, do that as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on the, like, look at that. Wow, this I'm really passionate. Let me just do this, and then, man, it would be great to be just a little bit more intentional and think about uh, outcomes. What does success even look like before I get into this? Uh, just, just a moment, yeah. a moment, just like half a millisecond, right? <laughs> more, yeah. um, but then, then deciding, you know, making a little bit more informed decision. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. Maybe enjoy, enjoy life a little bit. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I like, I like working. I like the work that I do. And it's, it's a weird relationship because I don't think work is, I think it's a small part of being a human out of like, I have call them the five buckets, but, uh, I would also say maybe go travel a little bit more. Cause that's something that both me and my wife love to do. And I have a good amount, but, um, like outside the country and when responsibilities are low, we don't have a puppy, you're not getting them. <laughs> so I would say that too, just take some time to fill the other buckets. Fill the other buckets. Love it, man. So there's there's a there's a book on this in your future, no doubt. You got some good. Well, I I wrote a book too, like one summer. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not even good. It's just I did, and it's like those things that I think about. Now, was that the marketing one? What, no, it's what, it's, it's, it's on Amazon. It's called Hermit Crabs Are Smart. Um, <laughs> it was supposed to be like this um, this metaphor for how at least from my understanding, I'm not a biologist, but that hermit crabs will do all these interesting things to seek out a better fit home. They'll kind of fight each other. They'll travel over distances. They're always sort of shedding a shell, getting a shell, trading for a shell. And oh, wow. I think that's 
when I feel most fulfilled, it's in, in pursuit of a meaningful um, thing that aligns with my values. And I think that's the game. I don't know about everybody's life, but I think that's the game. And so the book is sort of way back in the day, my stupid thoughts from young Ken on some of those, those meaty things, those meaty concepts. Dude, I got to add that to your intro. We got to re-record re- the intro. We gotta just- <laughs> <laughs> Man. That's what I mean. Like when people ask where to start, I'm like, yeah. I almost don't even, I don't even know what to say because there's my professional me. There's like the guy who would have wanted to be, you know, a Greek sort of mathematician or a philosopher as a profession, but that doesn't really make a lot of money these days right off the bat. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting question. Dude, I'm totally going to grab this book. Look at that! All right. and, and Please do it. Tell me what you think. We'll put a link in the uh, in the in the notes for this episode. You can. Oh, it's on Kindle. Look at that! Ba boom! Go grab it. Go grab it today. Um, it's free too. It's free, bro. I was about it to give be. you like twelve bucks. <laughs> Is that the? Yeah, we got to do price, some price setting experiments, and I'll see what people are willing. To uh, Kindle Unlimited, read for free, or Kindle price ninety nine cents. Good, good. Oh yeah, dude. We, you gotta. Multiply that by times ten. But you have to give I want to write another one. Day. one <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. I'm gonna go grab that, um, dude. Where can people reach out? They want to connect with you. They want to connect with you about your agency. Maybe get some growth consulting, um, or just or just uh, send you some some good vibes. Yeah, totally. Uh, LinkedIn's always fun because I'm hanging out on there. And if you just type in Ken Magma or Ken Magma Marshall into your browser, Google, or whatever you use, um, I'll come up if you're in the US. Um, or you can just go to revenuezen.com or type in revenuezen, we'll pop up. And you know, all of our consultations, we do these free little strategy roadmaps. It's nothing crazy, um, that, but it's just to help you understand if SEO is even right for you and how it can help augment you know, your organic sourced revenue. And for me, I'll talk about anything. So don't be shy. Hell yeah. Love it. Dude, so good. Thank you so much for coming on here. It's been fun. We got deep and philosophical. We talked about chat GBT. We talked about just that foundation and the things you got to do before you even start building, start implementing those tactics. I really appreciate it, man. This has been great. A lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. This is uh, more fun than I have on average uh, by a large amount. So thank you a cool. lot. Cool. Well, hey, I'm ha- I'm happy to uh, have you do that because man, the, anytime I had a great question, it was just me and my, you know, I always call myself like a caveman with a hammer, you know, just being like, oh, what what does this what does this do? But this was great. Totally. Man. I, I feel so much more caught up now and and uh, not nearly as skeptical of uh, the new kids on the block, aka Chat GPT. So um, I'm stoked, man. For those listening, if you learn something, and I freaking know you do. And I know you did because I literally have two pages of notes over here, front and back. So then share this with someone else, one person, nine people, 3,000 people, whatever. That's thought leadership, getting good information into other people's hands. That's helping people out. Um, With that, Ken, you are the man. Thank you again. Yep. Thanks, Casey. Well, thanks, everyone. This has been a crazy cool episode of the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. 